Hey guys, how's it going? Connor Gilson here, the president of CG Consulting. And I'd like to start off this podcast with a bit of an apology. Um, I didn't actually get to do a podcast last night. I was working and I stopped a little bit early and I, uh, I was in the area of where my brother lives. So I stopped by there and hung out with him for a little bit and then I drove home and I was on a phone call from when I left his house pretty much till I got home and a little bit after I got home, and then I went to bed, and I completely forgot about doing the podcast. It is currently 1.56 in the morning right now, uh, getting an early start tomorrow, unfortunately. I am not a morning person, I will state that. Uh, I'm very much a night owl, that's when I do do most of my work I'll stay up till four or five very easily and go to bed and go to bed I know it's kind of um, against the grain different unique to what a lot of successful entrepreneurs teach about how you have to wake up at the butt crack of dawn usually they're waking up when I'm going to sleep um, I'm just not a fan of the morning I actually get kind of sick if I wake up too early in the morning so I stay up super late and then uh, that's how I do so but as far as the podcast tonight, we're going to be going into the information once again about how to get clients today. Some framework about how to actually get out there in front. Mm. Well, I apologize. I'm exhausted. I did not get a lot of sleep last night and I woke up kind of pretty early for, for me and it's late and I'm about to pass out. But... Yeah, so what I was saying, uh, we're going to go over bleh, go over more information about how to get more, get clients, how to get some of your first clients, kind of some of the ideas and things that I've written down here. Uh, this is probably going to be the second to last part. I think tomorrow's going to be the last part. We're going to go over some like internet marketing um, strategies and techniques and things like that. And that's what you got. That's what you got to do. You know. So let's jump into this action right now. Get this party started on a Sunday night, you know. But pretty much the way I kind of want to um, open this, open this podcast, is about how we really should make our clients feel. And there's a reason why I didn't say how we should treat our clients. I've said how we should make them feel. Because treating a client is more, in my opinion, like clinical. Like, don't get me wrong. Love doctors. They, what, med- you know, what medicine and technology has done for the medical field is great. Um, but I don't like using the word clinical. Uh, so in that case, I don't like kind of making how, you know, how to treat them, how to treat them. It's not something I like to use in common occurrence, rather. But I like the way, to focus on really the way we make our clients feel. And what we need to do is make our clients feel like the sun rises and shines just for them. Because honestly, it does. If you want to get as many clients as possible, you need to view that. And this kind of goes back to the point where I brought out how we, we get to a point where we should be picking and choosing our clients. I know when we first start, we pretty much take anybody we can. We got to get money. We got to get, you know, food on the table, so to speak. 
uh, we have families or we have spouses or we even have our own needs. Say we're single and we're running our own business. We have our own needs, you know, food, clothing, bills, you know, little little extra side money to have some fun and release some stress after working our backsides off all day. So with that being said, we... If we have clients that we love and enjoy, we, it should be very easy for us to make them feel like the sun rises and shines for them every day. Uh, but if we hate our clients or we have one of those cheap clients that don't pay us a lot, but they're constantly nagging us and things like that, there's ways that we can you know, fix that without cutting them. You know, Maybe raise our prices, explain to them that... Um, one of my favorite ones when I raise prices, and I don't do it often, but I'll raise prices and say, you know, I'm getting very, very busy right now. Uh, my time is like is getting more and more considerably more valuable, and I want to, you know, focus on my clients. So I'm raising the prices right now t- so I can better allot my time to helping you guys. That's one that I've used, and actually it works pretty well. So there's a few things that we should also do besides making our clients feel like the sun rises for them. Obviously, quality of service. I mean, of course, we should provide high quality of service to our our customers. That kind of goes without saying, but I put it in here anyways. Um, A potential client, when we first meet with them, is going to expect that we offer high quality of service. And once again, price is going to help set that. And I don't mean like pricing our things like crazy high, but there's a lot of times where if we don't set our price at, if we don't, if we don't value our time and what we can do, and that's reflective in our prices because they're too cheap or below our market, that's always going to set off a red flag for a prospect. Uh, They might buy but they're always going to know that you're either cheaper or less than what they've seen. And then when if things start going awry or not going the way they want, then two things happen. One, they're like, well, you know, obviously this guy didn't know what he's doing because he charged me so little. You know, he clearly, you know, this is why, because he doesn't know what he's doing. And also on your end, you're going to have an excuse or blame to be like, oh, you're not paying him enough and that's why. And we don't want to ever fall like into that trap. We want to make sure that our methods and tools are pretty great, eh? It's expected of us to have the best methods and tools as far as when we, or what we offer to our prospects. Another thing is responsiveness. Um, If you're in the consulting business of any sort, where you're offering services to business owners or you're a basically a mentor or a teacher you want to be available uh you want to be there and i don't mean like at 3 a.m if they like call you that you should jump over to their house and like help them with things but i mean you should really have a way of keeping in contact with me i i like to return phone calls and text messages within two hours uh emails within 24 so that's a rule that I kind of use. I think I got that from Alan Weiss. Uh, I actually don't remember exactly what his rules are, but I know I kind of tweaked it a little bit. But that's a big thing. 
somebody calls me, calls my business or texts my business, I about even like with Facebook messaging, things like that, 89% of the time I would say I contact them within, within an hour and then about 92% within two hours. And there's sometimes where like emergencies happen or sometimes I don't see the message because I have so many people texting me in any given moment, um, both personal and for business. But that's what I like to do. Uh, if I'm awake and I get a text at this time of night, I'll respond. I don't check my email that often, so I try to do it like once a day because email can sometimes get overwhelming, especially with like just how many like spam things are out there now. But yeah, so if you're a service professional, you really need to be able to do that. Credentials, if you are in a profession, I did put this down. Um, If you're in a profession where you need credentials, it's best to actually get them. Don't try to wing it. I mean, if you're in marketing or, you know, internet sales or things like that, then you really don't. I mean, what colleges offer right now as far as like business training and business structure and marketing and stuff like that or computer uh, computer engineering or website design, they're all pretty bad, honestly. Anything really with the technical age especially, anything with technology, it gets outdated by the time you pretty much graduate college, so it's very, very dangerous to do that. It's a waste of money in my opinion. Um, in fact, I think that if you're not going to college for being a doctor in the med- medical field or a lawyer or a teacher, that you probably shouldn't be going to college. Um there's ways to intern and get experience and then kind of work your way up. That's what I, that's what I personally think. But yeah. And jumping back to making clients feel as important as they truly can is going to build your credibility and that's what you should be doing. And most of these things as well are going to build into that first point where I said that if you're, showing them that they're very, very important to you, like, you know, responding to their text messages at two in the morning. If you're awake, if you're not, don't turn your phone on silent, go to bed, enjoy your sleep. I'm a big fan of six to eight hours of sleep, um, six to nine actually, for people. You need to get your rest. If you're not sleeping, you're going to end up shortchanging yourself and burning out. So don't, so don't do that. But another thing I mentioned it earlier is appropriate price. People don't generally buy things just on price, um, even though they say they do. And I know I'm going to catch flack from that, right? Because, you know, we hear it all the time. That's one of the most common uh, conversation stoppers or conversation enders, whatever you want to call them, uh, pitch killers, whatever, is, oh, um, you know, it's a little bit out of my price. I was thinking of something a little bit less. Um, and there's a way to get around that by staging and doing different things as far as price. Uh, I'll lower price when I do, uh, like, proposals. I will lower price if a customer can't pay for it. But one thing that I will say is when you lower price, at the same time, lower value. Every time, without a doubt. If you're going to lower price to help, like, a existing customer tell them don't make them ask for it tell them because then they're going to see you as one 
this is my normal price, but I'm going to do this for you because, you know, you've been around for so long or you've, you know, been here for, you've been with me for a year and I like to, you know, reciprocate and help out my clients as well. But if, if a prospect ever asks you to go lower on price, lower value, like lower the, the bar of value every time. Don't, 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 don't think about it. Um, it's, because the second you keep the pr- you lower the price and keep the value, they know. They know you out yourself. They know that you don't have either you don't believe in the value of what you're doing or you can be bullied. And it will start a chain you do not want. I promise you. You may you will get them as a client or sometimes you don't actually. Sometimes you don't. I've had when I was still a noob, I would lower my price and people would still be like, "Nah, I'm good." In fact, I get more clients now that say, oh, I can't pay for it, that's too much. And I lower the price and I lower the value. And they're like, okay, yeah, I can do that one. I get, that works better than when I would lower the price and not lower the value. Because the second you do that, they question. They question like, okay, so you just lower the price. Well, how much lower can you go? And it becomes like a bidding, tag sale, flea market type deal. You're an expert. You do not. I absolutely, like, I repeat, you absolutely do not ever, when a, when a prospect says lower your price, give in to that and lower your price without lowering your value as well. That's how it works. And your prospect and your clients will respect that. And honestly, it'll save you from having the awkward conversation with one client that's like, so I found out that you lowered a price for someone, but I'm paying the same price. Yeah, just... That's the rule. And it's not even like a manipulative thing. It's a morally right thing to do. It's a morally right thing uh, to you because you need to value yourself. We just had that whole part about mindset and how we need to focus on that. And a big part of focusing on that was understanding our value as a human. The second you lower price without lowering value, you literally... you. You disrespect yourself. That's simple as that. And honestly, offering the lowest price in a market is not going to necessarily uh, help you establish credibility. In fact, many potential clients, especially the ones that do have money, are going to be weary if your prices are significantly below market value. But that's pretty much just a little bit about that. I don't want to get too much into pricing. I gave you a few good tips there. But that's a big, huge, deep point as far as that. The next step is going to be coming and establishing yourself as a category authority. So being someone that's seen as the go-to guy when it comes to certain things. So what I want you to do is another written exercise. I want you to answer the following questions. Number one, in what areas are you currently an expert? So that's easy, right? We can be like, all right, I'm an expert at this, this, and this, and this. Number two, in what areas do you need to develop your expertise? Question number two will, will work as well, or as, sorry, number two will work as much as you are honest with yourself while answering it. If you shield yourself or be gentle on yourself, And I don't mean bash yourself and make yourself feel like crap, but being cold and honest. No emotion there. This is what I need to work on. That's how number two is going to help you. Three, what promises 
can you make and deliver to your target market that will position you as an expert? All right. So what promises can you give somebody that's in pain, that is struggling with something? You have the solution. How can you help them with that? Number four, what promises would you like to make and deliver? Notice how I said and deliver to your target market, but don't feel yet comfortable with. So if you want to say something like, you know, I want to make my my clients uh, 20... 20 times investment on what they're investing with me. How do you do that? You got to kind of deconstruct that, work from the goal backwards. That's kind of the easiest way to do that. Number five, what do you need to do to become comfortable at making and delivering these promises? All right. So go over those five questions, write something, write a few things down, really be honest with yourself, see what you can do. And then the second part of this exercise, I want you to, while keeping those answers kind of in the back of your mind, um, I would add, if there was one thing that you could be known for within your target market, what would it be? Like mine, when I was working with roofers, was eliminating the bidding war. In fact, when I would say that on videos, the responses from roofers was like crazy. Like, wait, what do you mean? How do you, like, I've worked, you know, and I'd got, I have emails of people saying, you know, I worked for a roof, I've owned my roofing company for 20 or 30 years, or 10 or 15 or 5 or whatever, and I have not found a way that's humanly possible to eliminate bidding war. So you have to say something, you want to be good at something that invokes interest. Be something that when you say it, that it's like, huh, really? You can do that? That's what you want to do. Another question, what do you need to learn to become a category authority in the area you'd like to be known for? And then list the ways in which you can learn the things you identified in the preceding exercises. Like, what? how can you get to that goal? Is it reading more books? Is it, you know, studying certain, you know, procedures within your market? Is it looking at your competition and seeing what they're doing good at, which is a big thing. What they're doing good and then basically, co- like, not copying it, but using it as kind of a launch pad and giving it your own little twist. Um, I actually put a plan together for somebody that revolves around network marketing. And that's exactly what I did. I went into the company and looked at the people that are performing high and then was seeing what they were doing. And then I went to other companies like that, saw what they're doing and, and, and basically rolled that up all into one you know business plan. Next thing I want you to do after you do that written exercise is I want you to research and list five books that meet that meet that criteria that we just talked about. Those things that you need to work on. Um, research and list five books. So write them down. Like pause this um, if you can, if you're safe. Pause this podcast and write down five books that will help you meet that criteria. Pause, because the next part is important. Write that down. Do it now. Write it down. And when you're done, hit play. All right, so you're back. 
Next step, very simple. Buy these five books. Do it now. Books are not expensive, especially for the amount of knowledge that they give you. Especially if you did research and you wrote down a list of five books that are known for giving expertise on that. They're not expensive. In fact, to learn things like that, if you were like meeting with a mentor, I know that um, on my con- on my consulting clients where I teach all pretty much all the stuff that I'm teaching the podcast in a more in depth manner, I charge them anywhere from two to three grand a month, and that's meeting that with them once or twice a week for a month. I mean, there's going to be a lot more value in those. I mean, there's a lot of tips and tricks that I'm giving off on this podcast, which are teaching people and things like that. But I build business plans for for people, people that want to hit their goals. And I add an extra pair of eyes and my expertise to that, and that's what I do. But when you think about how much that is for a month, and you go buy, say, five books, say they're really, like, say you go nuts and you buy the hard copy versions instead of the Kindle versions. Was that 20, 30 bucks a, bo- a book? So was that like barely over $100? Pretty good, right? And that's if you buy the hardcover copies. Most of you are going to be buying the Kindle versions, which are what, like eight, 10 bucks? So for 50 bucks, you can get all this knowledge, which honestly, like if you're finishing one book a month right now, that's pretty good. Most like high-end CEOs and Fortune 500 companies finish three books a, a month. Um, I always love when I get, uh, I get people that think they're hot shots and say, oh, I finished three books a month. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, for me, I honestly will finish one or two a month, but that's because... So I can read like super fast and I kind of go into autopilot and I'll read things and then my subconscious will tell me things after. That's what I don't like to do. I like to sit there with on my Kindle with my finger ready to highlight stuff. That's what I want to do. And if I start feeling my, and this is important, this is an important balance when reading books. If, if I get to the point where I feel that my mind is overloading, and that's where you got to be honest with yourself. You can't just be like, oh, I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Or, oh, I'm tired and I want to, or I want to go play Fortnite. Or I want to, you know, listen to music. Or I want to watch, you know, The Walking Dead, things like that. I don't mean that. But when you feel like your brain has taken a lot of information, you have a lot of points that you've highlighted that you are, you know, brain-racking ideas, then stop. Finish the chapter if you have to, and then stop. But another thing you're want to you're gonna want to do is communication. Like I always said, that ABC always be communicating. Uh, when communicating with your potential clients, be clear about what you know, and clear about what you don't. As a professional, as an expert, we sometimes get a big head on our shoulders. We feel like we have to know everything. We feel like we have to understand everything. If somebody hits us with a question, we have to pop up the answer. And the knee-jerk reaction, and I see this in sales all the time, it's literally one of the mo- my most hated things, is when a salesperson or a consultant is asked a question that they don't know, they let their pride get in the way, and instead of saying, hey, I don't know, let me go do research, or let me, like if you're working with other people, like let me go ask my partner, he's better at that. In fact, that business plan that I talked about, 
Um, I've worked in network marketing and then my friend has worked in network marketing too. And I had put together a, a big part of the plan, but I was, I went to him and was like, Hey, um, I need some extra, I want to need some extra ideas. Like, can we brainstorm here and come up with stuff? I want to make sure this person has a really good plan and I may have missed things. Like, what do you think is the best? And I asked them and I even told the person that I asked them. That's how humble I am with that stuff. Because if you're humble, that's what's going to matter. People who are credible don't actually know every single thing. They don't. And most business savvy business owners are going to understand that. Now, this next part that I want to go over, and I've realized that I have way too much content on my on my, on this page right here. Um, I'm definitely not getting all of this done tonight. So I guess we'll have a we'll have this part, another part tomorrow night, and then uh, the final part two nights from now. But and this one's hard. This one's difficult for a lot of people because and and honestly, this is kind of a thing that we all suffer from as far as being human. We. How do I put this? We we tell people that we don't we don't have biases or we hi, we hire people because of us being fair and we promote people because of being fair. Um, I will frankly say that's a load of crap. That honestly it is. I'm I'm sorry uh, if you honestly believe that inside you that people get promoted and you know, get jobs fairly, that's, that's insane. I've never seen somebody do an interview and go, I absolutely freaking hate you, but welcome aboard. Like I've never, never once. And I've been to so many interviews, both me being the interviewee and then being the interviewer or watching or training. Like I used to go into companies and sit down and watch their interviewing process. I've never seen it. I have never seen it. I hate you. Like you are horrible. Like I, I don't like you in any way at all, but congratulations. You have the job. Never once. There might be some things that the person may not like about the person that's being the, the person that's being interviewed, but it's never like, oh, I can't stand you. And that's, that's what life is. Life is a series of popularity contests. Um, Bowling for Soup has a song about how high school never ends. I think it's one of the most honest things ever. Uh, it, it doesn't. Uh, people get promoted. People get better jobs. People get hired for companies because of likability. That's what it is. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to believe it. We've been told that it's not necessarily the truth. But ultimately, if you're well-liked and your likability factor is high or skyrocketing, you are, in many cases, more likely to be chosen. And that's in a 9-to-5 job getting a promotion. That's in you know, somebody buying a product from you. That's uh, somebody buying a service from you. That's just how it is. But that's all. Oh, that's that's what it is. That's it's a likability thing. Uh, if if pe- clients and co- the best salespeople in the world, and like I'm like again, like I said before, I'm not talking about like car salesmen. Okay, I'm not, because 
The only reason why that works is because if you look at the car market, it's controlled and it, it's manipulated to be that way. It has to be like, there's actually like laws about how like you, you can't go buy a new car somewhere else other than a dealership. It's one of the only products where you can't buy it directly from the manufacturer. You have to go to a car dealership to buy it. That's how it works. Um, even with the like factory dealerships where the dealerships are very close to the factory, that's the same thing. It has to be from the dealership. There's literally laws that protect it, and that's what builds that whole kind of cesspool car salesman. And it's getting better. It is. Not all car salesmen work like that, and car companies are starting to actually, car dealerships are actually starting to use better sales marketing techniques. Another thing that we do as far as business owners, um, and this is going to be kind of starting our foundation, right? This is how we start a foundation. Uh, Winston Churchill had a, one of my favorite sayings, it is a mistake to look too far ahead. Only one link in the chain of destiny can be handled at a time. So sometimes we're super overzealous or yeah, zealous. Um, we're excited. We, we, you know, we're starting our own business and we try to take it on all at once. And maybe, yeah, maybe our motivation's there and maybe we have it, but we take on too much and it ends up catapulting us into the ground. Just aggressively, we slam into the ground. So kind of the way to start, like as far as marketing and finding clients or finding prospects, we need to kind of, I have like six questions I have written down here. Um, Number one, and this is one of the things that I still see to this day. uh, When I ask clients, like who are your, what is your target client or what is your target audience member or person look like who's your target market and I hear the stupid saying of well anybody that has money or pretty much anyone or whoever wants to pay or oh I don't really have a target market I just like to you know get what I can I hate all those things literally drives me up up the wall like when I used to do that part of like consulting and dealing with that stuff like I'd be like oh my god like the most successful companies in the world don't just be like, yeah, we sell stuff to things and or to people and we sell that things because, you know, whatever, money. That's not how it works. There's different levels of that. You have Toyota who makes, you know, cars on a factory line and builds like, you know, 30 in like a, cu- a couple, like couple days. And then you have things like Bugatti or Rolls Royce, which takes months to build. But it's interesting because Rolls-Royce knows exactly who they're going to sell it to. So you need to, for the first thing, is find out who your target clients are. I mentioned this earlier in podcast, I think three nights ago, about how we need, you need to write down what your target market's going to be, your niche. Then, and only then, when you zero it down as pretty much zero that scope in as close as possible without, you know, having very, like you want to have enough people that you can target. Okay. Um, like with me, I started with construction, like the whole industry. And then I boiled it down to electricians, plumbers, and roofers. Then I focused down, and this was over, you know, years. 
Um, then I focused down on roofers and then I focused down on residential roofers instead of like metal roofing or commercial or things like that. So it's about focusing it down. But if I only, and I targeted, um, when I did my emails, I would send out emails, I would target roofers by state. Although somebody told me to start doing it by town and I was like, no, that's, that's too targeted. And you'll learn, you'll learn when you're just too, a little bit too much targeted. You don't want to be like, oh, I want to target restaurant owners that have a red roof on their, on their building. Like you don't want to do that crazy stuff. But try to zero it down if you're going to target, like if you're a business targeting restaurant owners, try to target, you know, one type of cuisine at first, okay? But don't get overly zeroed in. Don't stink and zoom this in so all you can see is blur. So when you have that, when you have what your target client looks like, then you can answer the rest of the questions, which number two is what are they looking for? Number three where are they looking for people like you? So research, find out. Are you know, if you're a person that sells business to business, going on Twitter is not going to be a good idea. Um, if you're a person that's selling a product to a consumer, if you're B two uh, C or business to consumer or business to customer then Twitter is good. Instagram's good. Um, Instagram can be used for business to business, but it's not usually going to be good. You're going to have something like Facebook or LinkedIn. And then depending on what you have there, then you, which one works better? You know, is, you know, is Google ads better? Is Facebook ads better? Is email marketing better? Things like that. Number four, when do they look for you? In my cases, I looked for roofers. I knew exactly when they started looking for somebody like me. A lot of roofers, big seasons is spring and fall. So I knew people would start looking for me then. And that's when I would push all my ad dollars into that, especially spring, because then I would have them all the way till the end of the fall as a, as a client. And then winter, they don't really get that much. So they would, you know, suspend, uh, marketing with me until the next spring came but I would do a push and fall as well even though I knew it was just a couple more a couple months I could get people that wanted to do burst marketing and spend a lot of money to get as many clients before winter came because that's the pain point winter came and they were like oh crap you know now I have to go back into like hibernation save mode it would be really cool if I had a couple more clients right now or a couple more roofs so that I can make the winter a little bit easier so like I said, number four, when do they look for you? Number five, think about why they should choose you. Once you understand why your target would like to choose you or should choose you, you can speak to that. And I don't mean be braggy and boasty. I mean, explain to them how you, especially once you have helped people, find how to do that. If you can afford, if you're brand new, if you can afford to take on somebody pro bono, whether it's a friend or family and member in that industry or just some random, if you want to do a webinar, which is my, this is, this is a good idea. This is a gem. So listen to this. If you want to get your first client, do a webinar where you kind of wet their beak and teach them about what you do and maybe give them a few tips on how to do it themselves. You have the people that have absolutely no money that can't, can't spend it on you, they'll latch onto the tips. And then you'll have the people that are like me 
or like a most, let's say most of my clients, which were people that had big businesses that didn't have the time or the money, nor did they care to learn my job and do it themselves. They much rather hire the expert right there and get it start work, get it to start working. And then what you do is at the end of the webinar, and you can mention this in your promos for the webinar, just be like, I'm giving away this free, if you're a service industry, be like, I'm giving away this free package um, to one of my viewers, join the webinar, watch all the way through. I like to do that, you know, watch all the way through, enter this code into the, and I would have like a website page where they would enter the code and it would enter them into the raffle. And then I would give away one or three free packages. But if you're new, you can do it for one. So the interesting thing with that is if you're new and you actually know how to do that, if you know how to actually do what you're telling people you're going to do for free, 90% of the time I did that, I got two or three clients that would pay me full price to do it. Like either sometimes even before the raffle was even completed, because they didn't want to wait because they like, if you can create um, a call to action and make them want to move on it make them want to do it, then it's, it's so much better. Like they will want to do it. And some people won't, some people don't, don't care. I've had people like, and I ask them like, don't you want to wait until you see if you win the raffle? And they're like, no, I don't care. I want us to get started. And that stuff was amazing. I've had it multiple times. So that's a little, a little uh, hot take there for you. Right. A way to use that. Number six how do you want them to engage with you? Do you want them to engage with you on a more public space, like for the first couple of times, like on Facebook, have interactions and conversations, you on Facebook posts so other people see it and then, you know, then they get excited and then it kind of builds a law of majority, uh, which is a big thing in psychology. It's one of the biggest laws as far as how psychology works, law of majority, um, but they see all these people talking about it and that's what would happen on Facebook. You know, I'd have like 10 or 15 people be like, oh, call me, I need, you know, I need a consultation about this. This is great stuff. Thank you for showing me this. And then boom, you know, bring in more and more people. They'd show their friends, they add each other. It was, it was crazy. I remember one time just sitting at the computer watching comment after comment after comment come through on one of my Facebook posts and I was just like, geez, oh my goodness. Now, something to keep in mind with answering those six questions, your services have a high barrier to entry to any potential new clients, even if you're cheap. Your services are intangible and expensive, whether you think they are not, especially to those who have not used this kind of service before and have not had good results with their previous service providers. So that was a big thing when I did SEO. SEO was something that a lot of people did and they did it the wrong way. And when Google lashed back and was like, hey, no, this, you can't build crappy backlinks to boost your page up anymore. We're getting rid of that. It has to be high authoritative backlinks. Then all of Google fell. It changed in like a couple days. People that had held the top number one spot in Google disappeared. I was lucky enough to be one of the first people to figure that out and I was actually invited to go to a summit and give a speech on how to do it I turned it down because I don't even know what the heck I was doing I guess I was that was when I was like in super super crazy grind mode and I was making a crazy amount of money and I didn't think that I needed that 
seminar, which now that I think about it, it was crazy amounts of pub publicity and I probably would have gotten even more clients. Um, but I did have a rule with my wife at the time that I wouldn't get on my, the first plane ride I'd ever have would be with her. And I didn't, and they, I forgot if they, I don't think they said that she could come. I don't remember what it was. Um, this is so long ago. I was super young when that happened, but anyways, so that's the thing. A lot of people, if they've had bad experiences, something that you do, then your barrier to entry is extremely high. And if they don't understand or don't know or have never used your service before or anything like it, it's still very high. So the easiest way to do that is, the best way to do that is actually to in, have a way that you can inform those type of customers that you have uh, not just one, but a few compelling offers that have no barrier to entry. So whether it's, you know, a podcast like this, whether it's a, a free webinar, whether it's a, um, I have multiple ones, like I can go through all of them. I have free 20-minute uh, co uh, consultations that I do where I go, I, I actually have them fill out a questionnaire so we don't waste time asking all the questions. And then I'll go through them and give them a plan. If they choose to use me, then they choose to use me. If they choose to do it themselves, then some do, some successfully do. I've actually gotten clients, you know, years on down the road that actually got rich because they used the business plan that I helped them with. And then they came back with, to me later on. Um, so you do have that too. Um, so I have free webinars, the consultations. Oh, I have my email newsletter list where you can join that. Um, that's actually on lock right now because I have a lot of people and I'm starting to weed through it. Um, but yeah, so there's multiple, you know, things that give people content and information. Oh, uh, the Facebook video I where I would teach uh, roofers on how to do SEO themselves. In fact, one of the biggest ways to make revenue because I made a video that I was just trying to be nice and teach roofers because I felt bad for them and a crap ton of them hired me and I made a, probably about 80% of my profits in the past five years by doing that. So pretty good. But that's the best way to inform and teach prospects. Um, if you're, you know, selling products, you still have to do that too. You still, if it's a new product, you have to educate people, you know? And a way to keep the line open. And this is going to be kind of the last point and then I'm going to wrap it up. I have so many notes here. It's crazy. I went nuts. Like I'm definitely going to have at least one or two webinars just on this part. Or if I keep saying webinars, oh my goodness. Um, podcast, 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 pod, podcast. Why can I not remember that's what this is? Um, but yeah, so last point. The reason why we have low or no barrier to entry offers is because we want to get a way that we constantly keep in contact with these people. Because honestly, 
yes, you're going to get some people that buy very quickly or right away or within a couple months. But majority of the people that you have, you're going to be constantly contacting them or reach, like reaching out to them. And it can be autoresponders. It can be personal letters, emails, things like that. Um, you know, special offers, stuff like that. But you want to constantly be in, not in their face, but constantly off in the corner of their eye. Let's say that, off in the corner of their eye. Do you, they, you know, they see ads, they go somewhere, they see ads for you, they go to your website, you use, if you use retar- like targeting and retargeting and things like that. So if someone goes to your website, then boom, you know, you show up when they're like browsing on Amazon or things like that. Um, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack. People don't like that. Like, oh, it's, you know, them, them spying on you. It's no, that's not what it is. Let me, let me, let me break it down real quick for you. There are things called cookies that when you go to a website, it remembers that you were there, and then based on what you search there, it then fills basically their blank ads that are on other websites that then when you go to that web page, it just shows you what you're looking at. And yes, some of the, the voice assistants apparently now, there's some um, proof that they listen to you or... Um, you'll be talking about something around one of them then go online and look at something. But odds are one of your friends went and looked at like something on Facebook or whatever, or all your apps that you have connected to Facebook did that. But yeah, no, anyways. Um, But the reason you want to do that is because you don't know when a prospect will enter a buying cycle. So for example, if you're a mortgage expert, right? Um, I don't have any interest right now. I don't have any interest at all in buying a house. I've mentioned it in a podcast before. I do not have the time to keep up and maintain a house. In fact, it's something I have to work on because since my ex left, I've kind of, I was doing really good after she left. And then now my house is like, I'm barely here. Or if I'm here, I'm working or I'm doing like the bare necessity to get like buy or I'm relaxing or things like that. So my house is kind of, kind of messy. I will say that my car is the complete opposite. It's like crazy clean. I clean that thing all the time. Um, but my house is not where I'd like it to be. It's not a pigsty, but it's not where I'd like to be. Um, so I have no interest in buying a house, but if say a year two years down the road, I decide to, you know, get a house or I see a house that I really, really like and there's a for sale sign in front of it or I get into what I'm planning on doing, which is buying rental properties and yes, I'm going to need a mortgage. Now, if I had a mortgage advisor or a mortgage expert that was teaching me for that whole entire period for a year on tips of like how to pick the right house, how to, you know, and I'm, I don't know anything about mortgaging, so I'm just kind of like throwing out ideas that I probably would want to know about, like, you know, how to find the right, you know, um, percentage rate of interest, like how do you, you know, how to find what banks are good as far as like getting mortgages, um, what to look for in certain like investments because if you're looking for investment property you're going to want to build your mortgage amount as you go because as you buy more and more properties you're going to want to make more and more so that you can keep getting more properties while you know 
paying charging somebody rent for twelve hundred bucks and paying a mortgage for seven hundred, you're you know, you're making money there, even while having a mortgage on a property. Yeah, there's a little real estate stuff. I'm I'm crazy and everything, so but um so that's the thing. But if I see that, I see that if I had somebody teaching me about mortgages, um then the second I see that sign, they're going to pop in my head. And it's not about constantly asking for the sale. That's why I like um, the book uh, uh, Jab, Jab, Right Hook. You want to give, the way he talks about, um, you want to give, 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 and then every once in a while ask ask for a return or ask for like, hey, you want to buy this? You want to buy my book? You want to buy this um, session? Things like that, right? That's the thing. So always stay in the corner of your prospect's eye. Always just be there. Just be there in case whenever they get ready or they enter the buying cycle, they can buy from you. Anyways, that is pretty much about it from me. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's 2.44. Uh, This podcast is about 48 minutes. Man, my podcasts are getting long. But I got a lot of information. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to finish it up really quick. Um, But that's about it. Once again, my name is Connor Gilson. I am the president of CG Consulting. And I will see you tomorrow night. Have a good night.